Well, it's good to see you. My name is Scott Reevely, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm privileged to encourage you to take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 8. Today, we get to look at one of the most misunderstood aspects of the Christian faith. We're going to look at the the Holy Spirit. Now, I've had a lot of people over the years say, oh, I'd really like to have a, a, a Bible study on the Holy Spirit. Or I think we ought to, you know, learn more about the Holy Spirit. Okay, the... That and Revelation are the two things I get all the time. I mean, really. Some of that tells me, though if you've said that to me, it's not a, nothing personal. <laughs> but some of that tells me, Pastor, we're, we're bored with what you normally tell us. Give us something exciting. Let's have the Holy Spirit of Revelation. Well, I do think that's some of the, re, some of the issue. Is that we're looking for some of the excitement, some of the uh, fireworks that the Holy Spirit can produce in our lives. We, we, look, we read our New Testaments and we see fireworks back in Acts chapter 2 and we think, oh, why can't that happen to us? We want some supernatural experience. And we think that the fastest way to that supernatural experience is going to be by studying the Holy Spirit. My estimation is that those fireworks, that excitement, the things that you normally think of as miraculous or supernatural, those are the more unusual, the more periphery things that the Holy Spirit does. It's a little bit like if you were to say, you know what, I want to study transportation so that you could talk about uh, jet skis. Now, I suppose you could fit a conversation about jet skis into a larger conversation about transportation, but it would be a small part. It would be maybe the last part that you get to, not the first part. It's a little bit like saying, I think we should have a study of food because what you really want to talk about is ice cream and candy. Now, ice cream and candy, in my humble opinion, does qualify as food, but it's not what you would normally get as the best part of learning about food. If you were going to learn about food, you would, you would think that you would want to get nutrition so that you could feel better, so that your life would change. So you could be certain that, you know, not just today, but five years from now, ten years from now, you'd be a little more healthy. And the same is true, I think, with the Holy Spirit. We tend to think that uh, we want to talk about the Holy Spirit because we're looking for some supernatural experience, something fantastic, something wonderful. I just want to say that what we're about to encounter in Romans chapter 8 is, I think, the most wonderful, most fantastic, most unbelievable thing that you could discover about the Holy Spirit. And the tricky thing about it is that what the Holy Spirit does for us isn't really that flashy. 
it really isn't even visible. You can't look at me and I can't look at you and say, oh yeah, I see that Holy Spirit. It just doesn't work that way. And the sad thing is, there are, there are people who take those periphery things and try and pull those into the center and say, you need this experience to prove that you are a Christian. That's, a, that's really the center, isn't it? And they have no business doing that. Same kind of a thing if you were to say that I want, to, I want the spiritual gifts or the other things that the Holy Spirit does to make my life full and rich. You know what? The Holy Spirit does give you gifts and the Holy Spirit will use you in the life of other people. And that might be all you need to know about spiritual gifts. But what we're going to talk about today is something that all of you must absolutely nail down if you want to be certain that you're a Christian. If you want to be steadfast, immovable, if you want to be secure, then the ministry of the Holy Spirit is your deal. And we ought to study the Holy Spirit. And that's what we find in Romans chapter 8. So, if you've got your Bibles open to Romans chapter 8, let's look at verses 9 through 11. And by the way, this is on the talk sheet if you didn't bring a Bible with you. Hopefully you got at least this much of the text that we're going to look at. But Romans 8, 9 through 11 says, You, however, are not of the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of, God, of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Now, there are some interesting things that happen here. I'm just going to mention two of them in the big picture, and then we'll look at them more carefully. The first is he transitions here from you are in the Spirit to the Spirit is in you. That's a kind of an interesting transition. And then the other thing that he does, you'll notice as you look at this very carefully, that this is sort of a iffy passage. Right? You look at it very carefully. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if Christ is in you, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus, and if, if, if. And I think those ifs are kind of the clue for what we need to see here in this passage. So, first thing that I want to remind you of is that you are in the Spirit. Uh, he starts off by saying, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. That is to bring us back up to speed from what he's been talking about in the preceding uh, verses where you're not in Adam, but in Christ. You're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. You are now, uh, 
You've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. And you are defined in a different way. Your identity is transformed from the natural person that you started off being into someone who is a spiritual being. You are not in the flesh. You are not natural. Now you are spiritual. You are in the Spirit. The way that you live your life is not according to the natural way or the fleshly way, but according to the Spirit. And that's a good thing. Because if you look back a couple of verses, verses 7 and 8, the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God. You're over here thinking about the natural way of doing things. You will naturally default to something that is hostile to God. You will naturally oppose God, resist God by your default setting. The mind set on the flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God's law. You're not naturally going to come up with stuff that's going to help you submit to God. In fact, you are unable to do that. Someone in the flesh is completely unable to please God. By definition, it's a definitional thing. They will do some good things. They'll do some nice things. They'll do some things that uh, are good and even right. But because they're in the flesh, they will be unpleasing to God. The only way to please God is to have been changed by faith in Christ from the flesh to the Spirit, from Adam to Christ, from being lost to being found. And that happens when you recognize your sins. You recognize that naturally I am hostile to God. I am resisting God in my natural way of doing things. And God has every right to condemn me for that. But I don't want to be condemned. So instead, I'm going to trust in Christ to take my condemnation for me. I'm going to trust in Jesus to give me His righteousness so that now I'm right with God and God accepts me completely. And once that happens, you're no longer in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And so the good news that we have here in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, is that you are not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit if... And here's our first if, right? If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. So now he takes a little turn there. To say, you're in the Spirit if the Spirit's in you. The first way that he uses the Spirit is more that we've used so far. In fact, this is the first reference that we have in Romans chapter 8 to a person of the Holy Spirit. To the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. The rest is the realm or the way of being in the Spirit. You're in the Spirit if this person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, dwells in you. And if He dwells in you, look at what it says at the end of verse 9. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So if you have the Spirit of God, then this is the first thing you need to recognize. 
This is what the Holy Spirit does for you. This is why it's worth talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes you certain that you belong to Christ. Think about that. You belong. You're not an outsider. You're not unworthy. You're not rejected. You're not damaged goods. You belong to Christ. That's a beautiful thing. If, in fact, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. There are other places in the Scripture it talks about, about you as the church being the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit meets with human beings in His church. He dwells in you. In dwelling in you, you have access to God and God is with us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us that God has put His seal on us and given us His Holy Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee that you belong to Christ. See, I have, I have on my hand a, a wedding ring that is, in fact, functions as a guarantee that I belong to my wife. The guarantee is, is really only as good as her character, which is pretty good. I'm pretty satisfied with that guarantee. But God's given you the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that you belong to Him. Which is pretty good. It tells us in Ephesians 1 that you are sealed with this promised Holy Spirit. That God has put His stamp on you. That you belong to Him. And so, you belong if in fact um, the Holy Spirit is in you. This is, this is just wonderful because if you think about it, you think about all the things that hurt you the most deeply. The things that hurt you the most deeply have to do with your sense of feeling loved and belonging. I've quoted from Brene Brown before, who I don't know is even a friend of Jesus, But she says, a deep sense of love and belonging is the irreducible need of all people. We're biologically, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love and be loved and to belong. When those needs are not met, we don't function as we're meant to function. We break, we fall apart, we numb, we ache, we hurt others, and we get sick. The role of the Holy Spirit in you is to confirm in you that you're in, that you belong, that you are Christ. I mean, if I look, if I look back in Romans, to, to Romans chapter 5, one of the most beautiful passages of all the Bible, 
aside from Romans 8, of course. But it tells us that hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love is poured out into our hearts by His Holy Spirit. You want to feel loved by God? Then that's the Holy Spirit's job to make you feel loved by God. Or if you look ahead a couple, uh, a couple verses to verse 15, it tells us, You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry. Abba Father. You have this intimate relationship with God that you have no right to except that He adopted you and you could feel insecure about that. You could take some kind of evaluation and look at your life and say, I don't know if I really deserve to be loved as deeply as I need to be loved. And you're probably right. Enter the Holy Spirit. Enter the Holy Spirit who is God's uh, agent to say, I have adopted you. You have full privilege here in my family. You have everything in my family. You belong to me. And it's unshakable. See, we get all these other ideas about what it means for the Holy Spirit to be active in our lives, right? And we think that's going to do it. That the Holy Spirit is somehow uh, going to lead us or guide us. The whole point of the Holy Spirit leading you is verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You belong to Him. Get it through your head. God wants you to know you're His. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. There's a chance when we've been talking about being in Adam or being in Christ, being in the flesh or being in the Spirit, that you're saying, hmm, I'm not sure where I am. The Holy Spirit's in you He anchors you and says, no, you belong to Christ. You are over here in the Spirit. Forget that old way of life. Forget that old, your your past. You are in Christ. So the first thing that you need to see is that you are in Christ. You belong to Him Because the Holy Spirit convinces us that that's true. Because the Holy Spirit is in us, we belong to Him. The second thing, if you look again at the text that's here, there's another if. Verse 10, But if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So if, if you have trusted in Christ as your Savior, you're no longer in the flesh, but you are now in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you. And if the Spirit of Christ is in you, you've got to see this. 
If the Spirit of Christ is in you, then the Spirit is life. There are reasons that we, that we said, and it says on the front of the talk sheet, that the, the theme of Romans that we're using is to be fully alive. Because when and only when the Holy Spirit dwells in you, can you be fully alive. This is, this is interesting because he starts he doesn't start off there. He starts off with the body is dead because of sin. The body is dead because of sin. Your physical body is on its way down. I don't have to really make much of a pitch about that, do I? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just thinking, I, you know, I've had eight surgeries on my left knee and it's just not going to get better. It's just not. You know, I wake up in the morning and my back is stiff and it didn't used to do that. And my friends tell me it's only going to get stiffer. This body is death. Do you realize that people fight this for everything they're worth? I mean, it's, it was raining pretty hard this morning when you came in, which, by the way, I appreciate you coming. I mean, I gave a couple of you hugs and had to wring my arms off because they were so wet. I don't know if you saw people jogging this morning or out walking uh, on your, when you were on your way to, to church this morning. But um, people are fighting the fact that their body is death. The dietary supplement industry is a hundred excuse me, $133 billion industry. The fitness and health club industry is an over $80 billion industry. People are working hard at this. And they're making a lot of money at it. And the fact of the matter is, 100% of those people, their body's going to die. That is the fact of the matter. Though the body is dead, because of sin, if Christ is in you, then the Spirit is life because of righteousness. This is what we've been, we've been told this all along in Romans. Romans 5.18 says, So by one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. The work of Jesus leads us to life. Ephesians chapter 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked in the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. I'm just going to stop and say we're, what the, the Bible teaches universally is that we're dead in trespasses and sins as in our natural state. Following the prince of the power of the air. When we're talking about life and we're talking about spiritual life, there are counterfeits to spiritual life. There is this 
There, there is counterfeit to, to spiritual power. The prince of the power of the air wants you to think that there, you can find it looking elsewhere. And you can find power. You can find uh, experiences. You can find even sometimes those miracles that you might even look to the Holy Spirit for. You can find those elsewhere. But you can't find life. You can find darkness, but you can't find light. Because the Holy Spirit dwelling in you gives you life because of righteousness. And that's what it it continues to say in Ephesians 2. It says, but God being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you've been saved. The good news of the Gospel is that God has done for you what you couldn't do for yourself. When you, yourself, might try, you you might spend some of that $80 billion going to the health club. Or some of that $133 billion trying to get supplements. You can't make yourself alive. Only the Spirit in you can do that. And that's His work. His work is to make you fully alive. And think about that. I mean, would you trade an experience for that? To be fully alive. I'm not saying you can't experience something miraculous or can't have some kind of supernatural thing happen to you. But the reality is, in your life, the Holy Spirit secures you to what is truly and fully Life. The text is very careful to say He doesn't give you life. He is life. So that the very fact that this Holy Spirit dwelling in you is life, then you are, you are completely transformed because you now live because of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. And then if you look again at uh, the text there in verse 11, you have another if. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. There are a few pieces to verse 11. The first piece has to do with the certainty of Jesus' resurrection. If the Spirit of the One who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it assumes the resurrection of Jesus. We're we're already making plans for Resurrection Sunday. Say April uh, 1st. And so I'm already thinking, and I hope you're already thinking, Hoping you're you're doing some of uh, your Bible reading in preparation for Resurrection Sunday, but I'm already thinking about uh, what it means that Jesus rose from the dead, and how I can be certain that the women didn't go to the wrong tomb, that somebody didn't fabricate the story and have other you know 
false witnesses or that somehow Jesus didn't uh, revive Himself in the tomb. I mean, you can go on and on and there is no other explanation for the fact that Jesus actually rose from the dead. And if the Spirit of the One who, rose, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then the One who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body. Then God will give life to your mortal body. This is a little different than the, the, the second if. First if, you belong to Him. The second if, you are fully alive. The, this third if, this uh, if then, if the Spirit dwells in you, then you can be certain of the final resurrection. You belong, you have life, and you have hope. Because of the indwelling Spirit. All of the things that you look out in this world and you look even in your own life and say, this is not right. I don't like that. All of those tears, all of the heartache, all of that that gets made right in the end, your certainty for hoping for that is because the Spirit of God dwells in you. And God will raise you up and give life to your mortal body on that day because of His Spirit. If you look ahead, Romans chapter 8, verse 23, it says not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruit of the Spirit. This first fruit of the Spirit, this life, this belonging, this indwelling Holy Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. That final experience where we're face to face with our Father. We groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for the redemption of our bodies. The Holy Spirit's job, one of His jobs, you might say, is to make certain your resurrection. You have hope of eternity because you're not in the flesh but in the Spirit if in fact the Spirit dwells in you and you belong to Christ and you have life and now you have eternal and wonderful hope because of the Holy Spirit. Do you want to study the Holy Spirit? Do you want to talk about the Holy Spirit so we can say, hmm, boy, I wish I had something good that the Holy Spirit would do for me. I wish I had one of them there spiritual gifts. You know what? That's way out there. I mean, if I, if I ask you what's the best thing the Holy Spirit does for you, it would be hard to choose from today's text. What's the best thing the Holy Spirit does for you? It might be to make you certain that you belong to Jesus. That's pretty good. It might be 
to give you life because the life-giving Spirit of Jesus dwells in you. It might be this unseen and future work that the Holy Spirit will do on that final day when our bodies are finally redeemed and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, raises you also. So that that final promise of God where you're in His presence, being fully loved by Him forever, is certain. I don't think the Holy Spirit gets enough press for this kind of work. Because this is so good. This is everything I hope for when I say I trust Jesus. Right? When I say I trust Jesus, I, I want to feel loved by God. And it's the Holy Spirit that pours out His love in my heart and makes me belong. I want to say, I don't want to be one of those walking dead that just shuffles off to work and shuffles home, goes through the motions day in and day out, has nothing um, eternal to live for, nothing that no purpose in life that transcends uh, this 70 years. I don't want to be that person. I want life. I want to walk around among those walking dead as a person who has life. And the Holy Spirit gives it. And then finally, I want the certainty that once I die, that all those things that I believed are true. That when I very first, for the very first time, believed that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That that everlasting life is really good. And it's really certain. And God so much intends to give that to me and to give it to you that He, that he gave His Holy Spirit to live and to dwell inside of you. See, that's the study of the Holy Spirit that all of us need. That's what we really can't miss. And that's the glory that we have because the Spirit of the One who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit... I hope you won't get off on those peripheral things that have to do with the Holy Spirit. But you'll say, oh yeah. Oh, I know about the Holy Spirit. He gives me life. He makes me feel loved by God. He makes me belong. Oh yes, I know about that Holy Spirit. Because one day, He will raise me up like He raised Jesus up from the dead. And so yes, I love to talk about the Holy Spirit. Because His work is exactly the work that Jesus set out to do when He went to the cross to save sinners. Let's pray. Our great God and Father, we 
we just love you. And we're thankful that you are committed to loving us. So much so that you sent your spirit to dwell in us and to make us certain that we belong to you. Father, I just pray right now for those who are doubting that this morning. Those who are just wondering, am I one of those that belongs to Christ? Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit, even now, would grant grace and life and that even this very morning would pour out the love of God into our hearts. And so, Father, we are grateful for the Holy Spirit. May we be certain and sure of our standing with You because He dwells in us. Amen.